0: You're listening to The Authenticity Show, where you get to eavesdrop on great conversations about health, creativity, and the quest for excellence. Your hosts are Carlos Casados and Satch Purcell. Today we have a wonderful conversation with two close friends joining us. We have Sammy Tucker and Rafael Lopez. Listeners of the show might remember Sammy Tucker from back in episode 17 where she came out and talked to us about her life-changing accident and near-death experience where she lost her arm and then turned it around and became a Paralympic athlete and, you know, very inspiring story. So she's back. She actually lives out here with us now. Uh, She's a close part of our group of friends. And Rafael Lopez is a great friend too, an amazing person, full of wisdom. And, you know, I think Sammy and Rafi... Might have a thing for each other. I'm not sure, but I think I think there might be a, a spark there. Uh, anyway, here we go.
1: <laughs> we have two friends joining us for our
2: conversation tonight. We do, so yeah. Much fun. yeah we thank do. you. It's a yeah. wonderful surprise for me. So, yeah,
3: yeah <laughs> we've, got, we've got a returning. Uh, interviewee and we have a new interviewee. Yeah. Ah. Here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sammy, we've heard before and Rafi, we haven't yet.
2: Yeah. Well, thanks for having me on. It's a wonderful surprise. I kind of walked into this one. And I'm, I'm up for, for some fun and some for good conversation.
1: Yeah. It's yeah. not often that you just get a microphone shoved in your face. Pretty That's much true. not,
2: you know, but yeah. step up to the, step mic. up to the mic. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, there's consent. 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 That is true. That always consent. Been, been true. We've
3: all given it, consent. We're right. consenting, as adults. consenting adults. Right, engaged yeah. uh, conversation. This right. is cool. And you know what? What's interesting is we're going to do this um, uh, with a bit of randomness and ad hoc kind of spirit. We're just going to see what happens. So we might be, as well. I like be, it. You know, there's a spirit of a lot of what we do with the show, which is um, like that. You know, we, oh, we have yeah. this kind of dive-in sort of attitude of just see what happens most of the time. We do prepare sometimes. Yeah, we do. We do. Sometimes we prepare. Sometimes we prepare a lot.
4: Yeah. Sometimes, sometimes we
3: prepare very little.
1: There have been times when we have prepared to not prepare. Yeah. We've done that before.
3: Just decide. Yeah. Yeah, you know, we just decide. That's yeah. the whole uh, plan to trust thing.
1: That's right. That's right. <laughs> yeah. Said by some wise-ass somewhere yeah. along the lines. It's
5: uncomfortable for a lot of people to do that, though.
1: It is. It is. Well, all of a sudden, there's this pressure on you. And so, you know, like they say in quantum physics that, you know, basically it's about observing things and your observation changes it. Yes. Well, suddenly when you feel like you're on the spot, you're observing yourself and you suddenly change yourself. Isn't that weird?
5: Then you watch yourself and you're like, why are you doing that? Right. So
1: maybe the secret is to notice that you're watching yourself and just go, stop that. This is none of my business. This is none of my business, so mind my own business and then stop observing yourself and then you can have a easy conversation. Ain't none of your business.
5: Yeah. That's right. None. Get yeah. out of my business. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, full disclaimer, I'm very tired right now, mm-hmm. so um, this will be very funny, perhaps, to see what I end up saying or forgetting to say or hearing this later on and realizing that I... Said embarrassing things, or you oh, know, great. so this is a good night for you to ask oh, me this questions. Is, this is oh, great. Good. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Oh, so your slap happy so you're, is In other what words, you're
2: your saying. your cognitive barriers are not up, and you're just like, oh,
1: correct. Yeah. I'm not even observing them now. Exactly, because oh, no. I oh, decided yeah. the veils are thin.
2: Oh, piercing the veil.
1: That's right. I'm very suggestible tonight, Carlos. Oh, <laughs> that's right. That's Carlos's
5: right. Carlos's master hypnosis <laughs> skills. Exactly. Download, download
1: whatever you need. You know. So, Sammy. Can I ask you a question? Sure. What's your favorite question for people to ask you?
5: Oh, God. Um, Anything about how do you. Oh. Yeah. Okay. People are usually fascinated about how do you. How
1: do you land one of the sweetest, kindest, nicest dudes in the world for your boyfriend?
5: Oh, my God. That's That's a deep question. How'd you do that? I don't know. That'd be a good question for him. But I think to backtrack that back before we first met that first day was, you know, I'd had a whole lifetime of really terrible relationships. Been married and divorced three times. One day coming to the realization that I was the common denominator Mm. and went, okay, so if I'm attracting these type of people, then what is it about me? And so I spent a good eight years Really trying to figure out who I wanted to attract, and then realizing, is this person I'm being in this moment somebody that if I met this person right now, they would be attracted to me? And day after day after day, the answer was no. You know, so it's just it was a peeling back of the layers of of who I thought I was, and getting down to more of who I really am, without mm. the labels and without the fear and without the um, idealistic uh, pictures of what. Love and Romance is. Mm. So okay. I, I remember when I met him. Oh, go ahead.
1: I was going to ask you. Um, no, I want to hear what you're about to say,
5: okay. Hans. Let's hear <laughs> yeah. that. Yeah. When I met him, and, he, and it was at um, where I met you. Same day I met you, Carlos. And, uh, oh, at uh, yeah, so, an, yeah, an event. Yeah, at yeah. An, an event. event. Yeah. That's right. And uh, Rafi told me what he did, and he said, I'm a relationship coach. And I was like, oh, my God. I was like, I am so not ready to date right now. But when I am, I want to hire you.
2: And you said, "I said um, I can't train you. I can't coach you. I wouldn't. Uh, I wouldn't uh, feel uh, right about coaching you because."
5: And I was like, "Why?"
2: Yeah, it's like, well, um, I'd just constantly be thinking about kissing you whenever I was, uh, when I was coaching you. So, <laughs> I, I, as, as you can t- I'm getting nervous right now saying this, but when I said it then, I was like, "Yeah, I, I just I'll be thinking about you. Like, just I just want to kiss you instead of instead of coaching you." So that's what I said. Mm. And, I was and, like, and that was the, I had never, and it's not a line that I was using. It was just something that just came out of me. I was like, wow, did I just say that? Mm. Yeah,
1: so I can I see like, that maybe, look maybe, on his face too. I mean, yeah. maybe the work Sammy was doing on herself,
5: you
2: yeah. know, had pulled that out of you. It's exactly it. I, st- I stood up for the uh, challenge, I guess, in a sense, or not the challenge, but the, uh, how can I say that? Um, some like of the an Warford, opportunity? Like an opportunity. Thank oh. you. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. It was like a great opportunity that presented itself. Thank you. Oh. And, uh, oh. cause it's not, a, it hasn't been a challenge. It's just always been holding space. Mm. Nice. Yeah.
1: So Sammy, how did you, uh, work on yourself like that? Cause there are lots of people in this world, including, um, just about everybody in this room who want to work on themselves. Um, and we all do work on ourselves. Uh, what was your strategy? How did you fig- even figure that out?
5: Um, it was something. It was it was a kind of an unlearning. You know, when I had my near death experience in 2010, I realized that I had put myself in that ditch by everything right. that I done. The motorcycle yeah, accident motorcycle you got injured. Yeah. that I in 2010 got injured, lost my arm, bled out, um, and that realization started to globalize in my life. That I could look back while I was in the ditch and realize the decisions that I'd made, and the relationships that I'd kept, and the beliefs that I had upheld as true all led me to that moment in that ditch. And so I started using that framework in other areas of my life. So if I considered something negative or positive, then I would hold up that belief and go, all right, where did I I learn this belief? Is the person I learned it from somebody I wanna model? And if not, then it's a simple change. It's simple, but it's not easy. And so it became years of looking at who I was attracted to, why I was attracted to them. And then you can visually play out the movie in your head without actually engaging because we're so habituated into how we behave around people. So and you, how I respond to you were doing like things. thought experiments.
1: Yeah, in yeah, okay. I
5: was doing a lot of what, you know, an NLP called future pacing, mm. all right? So I know that this type of response in a person or this type of behavior in a person is, is, a, is the tip of an iceberg to a deeper behavior, a deeper psychology, a deeper belief system about how men and women react and interact and and, um, so it's becoming aware of my triggers as well. What triggers me for attraction? And is that something that plays out well in the long run? Um, What triggers me for something like ooh, not attracted at all? Is that because that person's necessarily not good for me or is that become from a place of I don't feel worthy? And I realized Mm. that a lot of that, like if I had met Raphael right after my accident, there would have not been the attraction because I wouldn't have felt worthy of somebody that honors and holds space and is just allowing and doesn't have like this expectation, I need you to be a certain way. Mm. And so long story short, I I started examining my beliefs and really deciding, um, is that belief coming from fear or is it coming from love? You know, there's, there's only two things that a thought, a belief can come from, and that's either fear or love, somewhere in that spectrum. Mm. So I realized a lot of my stuff was coming from fear, and so if I can feel the fear, then I can feel the love, and it just becomes a, a state change, and as you change your state, you change your neurology. As you change your neurology, you change your patterns of behavior, and you create different habits. So by the time he quietly pursued me, by the time it, it came to actually accepting the attraction, I was so ready for it.
4: Mm.
3: Yeah. You had to come to a place of loving yourself before you could even do that, huh?
5: Yeah. And I had heard in you know, the personal development field, you, know, you have to love yourself first. And I had mm. even said it, you can only love others to the level that you can love yourself. Yeah. <clears> and, <throat> at, and at some point that becomes a concept that you hear other people say and then it, you embody it. And that took a hell of a lot longer than I wanted it to. I <laughs> mean, it really did. It really did. I would find myself like slipping back into old patterns of behavior. Um, so it took a long, long time. But I remember right before we we finally really connected, it was I got to a point where I had visualized and I had written what this person that I wanted to attract was like. What were their values? What was what were their priorities? How did they approach life? What what were their skills? What were their strengths? What were their weaknesses? Um, without the, the judgment of what that has to look like, mm-hmm. you know? And then I just released it and let it go. Because when I looked at that list, I realized, oh my gosh, I actually have those skills as well. Or they're skills that I don't have that I don't resent somebody else having.
4: Mm-hmm.
5: You know, because that happens in a lot of relationships, at least in my past. I would, I would attract somebody who had something that I was missing in me, and then I would resent the fact that they had it. mhm has that ever happened?
1: That takes a lot of insight to notice that. Mm-hmm. It takes quite a bit of insight yeah. to notice that, I think.
5: I think we're all capable of it. It's just a mm-hmm. skill that really isn't taught. It's not taught in our school system. It's not, not it taught in our families. not mm-hmm. taught in our culture. But it's just a skill.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah, even learning to love yourself, um, we hear it a lot. Um, knowing that you want to do that, knowing that you should do it because you, you've you examined that that it, that people who are you know, healthy and happy and abundant do love themselves, but then applying it to yourself, if you, if you don't know what it means is, is a challenge. It's difficult. Um, figuring out how you're going to love yourself. You know, it's, it's a, it's a bit about like, well, yeah, my up in my head, I know what that could be like, but down in my heart, down in my body, feeling that I actually love myself. That's a, that's a whole nother experience. Um, and it takes practice it seems like, um, at least in my own experience of doing it that, and I've hit a couple of new milestones with figuring out how to actually love myself in a deeper way. Um, it's profound difference between just sort of thinking that it's an important idea and actually achieving a feeling of loving myself. Um, it's, it's not necessarily a continuous thing where, where, you know, I'm there and then I feel it's just perfectly and seamlessly there in the underpinnings of everything I do. Um, but it's more so like that. It's more something that I revisit, that I come back to more regularly and evenly throughout, you know, my experience. So, um, Do you
5: find yourself catching yourself not loving yourself quicker? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm.
3: to, totally do. It's, it's like there's more mindfulness around us. So I can kind of catch myself out. And there were, there was a... Uh, something I read John Morgan uh, writing about it was it was like based on a, a book that he had read he was sharing about it it was uh, you know he always writes uh, profound stuff uh, he's great, but uh, he was talking about how when you should all over yourself and when you make mistakes and you 're just kind of getting bummed out about this or that um, how that's a form of self hatred mm-hmm. And when I first read that, I, I reacted to that as though that were just a little bit too strong. Like, come on, it's not hatred. You're just, you know, it's just noticing that you don't like that particular thing. But then I, I sat with that for a second and realized there's a reason why this is digging inside me. It, it feels a little bit irritating, and, and so I investigate anything that has an irrational feeling like that. And I realized I think this is feeling this way because there's something in that idea that i need to explore so i just went in deeper i just said okay let's thought experiment this let's assume it's all hatred it's either hatred or it's loving right so let's just play with that for a moment and i realize it's much more effective as far as making a a state change and a a personality change and a behavior change if you let it be black and white like that if you just decide that Mm -hmm. For the purposes of getting better at loving yourself, just notice whenever you do that and just think of it as self-hatred. And it'll be strong enough and alarming enough and nasty enough that you go, Whoa, I don't want to do that. Mm-hmm. It's it's got a, a punch to it. Yeah. So because I did that, it it sent me down the path of looking deeper at how I could be loving myself. So I feel like it was an effective um, practice to to think about that. You know, when, whenever you make a mistake. Instead of chastising yourself, instead of beating on yourself, just notice that it happens, stop, recognize that as a form of self-hatred and ask yourself, how could you be loving yourself through that? How could you apply a loving behavior, loving thoughts, loving feelings to the situation? So I I started doing that and it made a difference.
2: Yeah, because the hatred is really, love is just on the other side of The hatred, right? Mm -hmm. Just kind of like the other side of the coin, Mm -hmm. right? It's on the same spectrum. So Mm -hmm. when you can explore that, it's like once you've run out of exploring all the self-hatred, what else is there? Mm -hmm. You get to that point. We were speaking about this, something about the nothingness, right? Mm -hmm. The nothingness. You get to explore and you look into something that is everything, or like, how can I say this? There's nothing, right? So out of the nothing, you could pull out something, the thing that needs to happen right? So it's the opposite side of the coin yeah. for that. And that's how I see that when you're talking about. And also the should part. Yeah, we should so much on ourselves. Mm-hmm. And that feels like a burden. You know, that feels like a lot of work. Like, we got it. We should do this. We should do that. And the should word is just a, a constant loop circle that happens, right? It, it's a trap. It's a trap. It doesn't yeah. let you go anywhere. Right? And so... I think it's 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 about letting go of the should and just being really present and being in that moment, and going into that self hatred, and, well, and kind of diving through to the other side, which is love.
3: Yes, and I think the fear what, why why people don't maybe gravitate to that right away is the fear of well then I'm I'm never going to improve I'm never going to get better I'm how do I how do I get myself to do the thing that. I really want to do, and, and there is a way to do that. You can do that lovingly. You
2: oh, completely, can, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. And it's important to have the support system, I think, mm-hmm. your friends, and, and mm-hmm. to kind of walk you through that. And people who have... There are a lot of people in this world. I mean, there's so many mentors out there. There's so many uh, influential people, gurus, masters, that can help with that process. And it makes so
3: much sense. Um, just from a rational ethical, moral standpoint, like how would you treat a small animal or a small child? Mm-hmm. You know, if you're, yeah. most of us realize that, you know, screaming and yelling and being violent or, or having, you know, angry vitriolic outpouring, out, out spillings of words. And, you know, that's not the way to correct an animal is not the way to correct, uh, the behavior of, of a young child. You know, you, you want to teach them how to understand, um, whatever it is that they're doing so that they can socialize and be welcomed and and uh contribute and all the things that that create uh positivity Mm -hmm. um you know a a child always feels best when they're able to contribute something you know i agree Um, and, and when they know that they're liked and when people want to spend time with them uh those are all gratifying experiences for a lot of reasons because they feel like they're part of a whole and, and we, we want to feel some belonging. Mm-hmm. Um, so if we wouldn't do that to a small child or a puppy, why would we do it to our inner self? It's like, you know, P. Lynn mentioned in her podcast with us about how the body is the first pet. Remember that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that was one of our It's a great oh, metaphor yeah. Yeah. yeah, because you treat yourself like, you know, it's your first pet. Well, then how would you treat your first pet? Or how? How should, should you treat? <laughs> quote, yes. How should you treat um, your first pet? How would you like to? What's the best way
2: to what do it? What is the best way? Yeah.
1: Should, right? I was thinking. I was, I was listening to you talk, and I'm thinking. Well, what, what could we replace it with? I think an option is might.
2: Mm-hmm. You
1: know, I should quit my job. Mm. I might quit my job. It's a very different feeling.
2: Mm-hmm. A lot it of is. possibility. You know I mean? Yeah,
1: yeah. Like I there's mean, there's this, all kinds there's of an words, openness or even to it. what if? Yeah, yeah what yeah. Yeah. if yeah. is what came to me yeah. Yeah. as well. What yeah, yeah. What if? if. Might. Yeah. What if? What would it look like mm-hmm. if I? You know, um, might I consider?
5: What? yeah you know. or another one who says who says I should, yeah i should this and i should that yeah according to who right I mean, really
1: yeah which one of me is talking yeah and is it
5: me talking <laughs> at
1: all yeah. i should do better <laughs> who should do better i well then who are you exactly. uh who are you talking about you know what i mean <laughs> you can have that conversation with yourselves Exactly. Well, we started off (laughs) talking
5: about that, how to like disassociate and you you observe yourself. So who's Mm -hmm. doing the observing? And if you're observing yourself, observing yourself, who's doing the observing?
1: Yeah. Who's this guy? Yeah. Who's that guy? Right? Yeah.
3: I'm you. No, you're me.
5: (laughs) Carlos, something you said, um, you said uh, in how you were, uh, one of the things that you did in learning to love yourself more was you sat with it. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the key where we... It's, it's, it's terrifying to sit with something that could possibly be self-hate because, like you, you mentioned, we all want to belong and feel loved. And if there's a possibility that if I sit with this emotion and I come to realize that I hate myself, then is there a chance for love ever anywhere? Mm-hmm. If there's so much hate in the world and there's so much rejection, and if I acknowledge that on some level I hate myself, then where is, is, is there possibility for love because we're supposed to love ourselves i mean it's like yeah i think we have that in, innate understanding that we should love ourselves more than anything else and so but it's it's the sitting with it instead of the the resisting it that once once you once you surrender to that sitting with and you just look at it then it just goes away because there's no resisting
4: mm-hmm.
5: and then you can look at it and go oh this is just old programming this is just somebody else's idea this is, these are just somebody else's words that i took on as my truth and there are other words out there that I can now take on as my truth. And I'm gonna try those on for a while. And then maybe that's not who I am, and I'm gonna try these on. You know, because we, we all are only who we are in this moment because of what we've been exposed to and what we've learned. And so we're gonna be completely different tomorrow on some levels.
3: Thank goodness. Yeah, I know, right? Yeah. Yes. What you're saying implies um, acceptance too, you know, mm-hmm. the idea of acceptance, because you, when, you, when you move into acceptance, it opens up a whole lot of other possibilities because you're not resisting because like you say you know that self-hatred can become evident in in the example of people who are really really critical of others and who uh, become you know super spiky in their responses to people because they're they're just not happy they're so unhappy and so triggered because there's a sense of weakness it doesn't matter how big they are or how aggressive they are um, when you're looking at whether or not they're weak, because that that response, that violent response or whatever, is coming from weakness. Mm-hmm. It's hard to see that when someone is a huge dude and they're you know swinging their fists or whatever. But but when you back away from it, just as an as a human understanding thing, you know, knowing that what's driving this is a form of powerlessness. They feel powerless. Mm-hmm. And that's weakness, you know, you know, parents uh, beating on their kids or whatever. It's the same thing. There's a weakness there. They're feeling so raw and so incapable of handling whatever it is that this behavior comes out, which is uh, terrible, has terrible repercussions. But if we're ever going to get to the root of how to solve it and, and, and stop it or reduce it greatly, we have to also address those things that are driving the weakness driving the wound or whatever. Mm,
1: That's a a good point. As you were describing that, I was getting an image of a dam breaking. Mm -hmm. And so like you know, there's a weakness and there's power all happening at the same time and we sometimes look at the power too much, right? Mm -hmm. Somebody's angry and they're screaming and they're throwing punches, right? We think oh, that's a lot of power right there, right? But why did the water break through the dam? Because of the weakness in the dam. So we, we can't focus only on the power that we're seeing, we have to understand that that power was rooted in a weakness. That's why it was unleashed. It never should have been unleashed that way anyway, Mm. you know? Um, so, um, I, I like what you said earlier when you felt some inner discomfort about an idea or a concept that that was a signal to you to, to
3: look at it. Yeah. Yeah, That's that's been rich for me. There, there have been several key moments in my life when, yeah, I've noticed certain sensations that were negative sensations in response to something that I took it as a major lesson. Yeah, yeah. A couple times in my life where Mm -hmm. that's really, really stood out. I don't necessarily think that every time I'm irritated by something that there's a huge uh, gold mine of stuff in there. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it might be just something simple. Yeah. But when there have been some key moments (laughs) when I've gone huh, I recognize this reaction is actually not, it, it's, what's the word I'm looking for? It doesn't match what I know of me mm-hmm. in my approach to life. It's sort of, it seems like it's masking itself as something else. Mm-hmm. And it's hard to describe what that is, but um, it almost looks like it's got the, the ghillie suit on, mm-hmm. you know, the, the, you know, the, the camouflage ghillie suit, you know, you're military, mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah. like this, it, it, you can just tell there's something off about that pattern there. Yeah. It's not the usual. It's something a little yeah. bit similar, I, but not quite that.
1: I know what you mean because, uh, I've done <laughs> it myself Yeah, too, you know, cause you, 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 nice you, try ninja. Yeah. yeah. You put that into good words, Yeah, you know, um, I recognize there's been a handful of times when, um, I've had, um, situations arise and i felt some um knee-jerk reaction of irritation or something and when i caught myself it's like what the hell is that coming from and there's that self-inquiry you know and then you begin to go start to follow the chain like well why would i feel that way like this seems a little irrational that i would react that way inside you know what i mean and then it ended up leading to a oh my god moment you know, there's is a glitch that the in the matrix. The ridgepole, you have been seeing? The ridgepole, yes. 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 yes, 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 beautiful. It's a Decepticon. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. It is. Yeah, and then as soon as you discover it, right? Oh my God, it makes room, it makes space inside you, you right. know, for something better. You know.
3: Yeah.
5: We've been having some some neat stuff. Just talking about our relationship. It was yesterday morning, and I'm sitting at the the dining room table, and he comes home in the afternoon, and I had laid down in the bed and covered up for like 30 minutes. That was cold and just laid down. And he comes out with the little throw blanket and he's like, oh, hey, you laid down. And it was just like, he kicked me in the gut. And damn you, Raphael. I was just I like, that. I was like, oh, <laughs> and I was like, wow, why did that, why did that hurt me so bad? What's, mm-hmm. what's behind that? Mm-hmm. You know? And, and I was so rapidly, I was like, not my normal response. I'm being triggered. What's it about? It's not about anything that he's done intentionally. And I took it back to growing up, you weren't allowed to relax. It was work. What are you doing sitting down? Mm. Yeah. What do you mean you laid down? It turns Get into up. an yeah, accusation. It, yeah. And so it was an, an accusation. And, and yeah. so yeah. I mentioned it to him the next day because I was uh-huh. like, all right, I'm a little raw right now. I won't talk. You know, he didn't know anything was going on. I was like, hey, would yeah. you like to know what happened yesterday? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> totally. Like, yeah. like, okay. Like,
2: I, when I said it, I was like, Okay. <laughs> I'll just let her be. (laughs) It's one of those things where it's like we we start in this relationship. It's like, okay, something triggered her. Instantly see something or feel a shift in her. Uh And it's like, okay, let her process. She'll come back back. to me, step back, and let it be. And when she told me that. Were you making space again, Rafael? I was totally making space, you know, just holding that space. (laughs) (laughs) And when she told me about it, I was like, oh, my God. I was just giddy because she never lies down. I was so excited that she actually laid down. I was like, Wow that's cool <laughs> you know that was that was my ex, ex, like my um my uh, excitement that she was there I, that was that's how I came about it yeah. and it so, was such an interesting how mm. how differently we were seeing these things and I was just saying that like as praise
4: mm-hmm.
2: right. yeah. so we were
5: talking about like how many other things in life when people respond weird ways and you're like what what where did that come from? You know, Rafi's yeah. excited and I'm like, oh, how, how dare you? Like, oh, now I'm, in, I'm a, a, you know, in trouble child. Yeah. You know, yeah. so how many other times in life do we walk through the course sure. of our day and trigger people or get triggered and yeah. not even be aware that you're being triggered? That's the thing. And, yeah.
1: and And look who you attracted into your experience. Somebody who has enough wisdom to hold that space and not react too much to that. Yeah. So you attracted a situation that allowed you to continue to evolve. Because yeah, you know, a reaction so. can create a
3: reaction, can create a reaction, reaction. can create a reaction.
5: Yeah. yeah. yeah.
2: yeah. 100%. Yeah.
5: Like yeah. Ping pong. We had that a couple months ago. We, Emotional ping pong. I was like triggered and I like left the room and I got like halfway into the next room. I was like, wait a second, I'm being triggered. So I walked back in and I was like, let me unpack this for you. He goes, thank you. I was wondering what the hell
4: on. <laughs> <laughs> This
5: is what happened and this is my response and this is why and it's not you and oh, we're good. And it was just like, we never argue because mm. we just, whenever we're triggered, we realize that we're being triggered. Right. We go unpack it ourselves and then we come and explain it to the person.
2: So it's and, and don't really get me wrong because I'm, I'm a really sensitive person. I'm a really sensitive guy. So I will, like, sometimes I'll be like, oh, I just got kicked in the gut myself <laughs> or in the heart. Yeah. But I'm like, okay, catch. That, she, she loves me. You know, oh. it's like our, long, our goal is long-term, you know, we're going to be together long-term. So this is not, you know, this is, she, there's something going on. And so then I have to process and unpack myself because that's a trigger from being hurt from when I was growing up and all that. So yeah, and it's just just remembering that and letting mm-hmm. that happen. So then we get to unpack it with each other constantly. Mm-hmm. Not constantly, but every once in a while. When it, when it occurs. When it occurs, yeah.
5: Yeah, I mean, I think the longest we've ever had to talk about something is about two minutes.
3: You know, we were talking about Language and words and optional choices for different ways of phrasing things and things like that, and that's all really really useful. But I was just noticing another layer of it that's interesting to me as well, because um, because I'm in a position a lot of um, listening to other people and hearing where they're coming from, uh, what what the problem is in their mind, you know, what what they think the problem is. And then looking to discover what I think the problem is and allowing my idea of what the problem is and what their problem, what they think the problem is to kind of coincide in some way that I can help them, right? Because that's what they're hiring me to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and what I've discovered is the importance of utilizing the skills that I've learned in NLP for listening to language and, and discovering patterns and um, uh, structure of of the way they're they're constructing their world and and the idea of hearing the way they're constructing it within their model of the world versus feeling like I need to tell them to get out of their model of their world and out of their structure, out of their, their um story too quickly. So what I've discovered is that when I wait and don't do it too quickly, if I if I can be really really still and not be triggered myself to go, oh, that's a metamodel violation there, and instead go, hmm, what have I discovered about hearing metamodel that might help me to help them, because there might be a whole lot of unnecessary um, metamodel challenge which would only break rapport and only waste my time and their time mm-hmm. but instead what I'm learning to do is listen to their construct and seeing how it makes sense even if it hasn't been creating all of the results that they want but it makes sense in that context and if I were to go and challenge each structural thing that would be uh, wasteful and I might lose the opportunity to really help them with the thing that matters and mm-hmm. um, and I and I hear that <clears throat> opportunity more and more because I'm starting to understand uh, that every little metamodel violation does not need to be challenged. In fact, very often it's not; it's completely fine and can be just left alone. Uh, metamodel is 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 a is a model for understanding how to listen to language and how to get people to um, move beyond the model that they have mm. by challenging certain things that they say. Mm-hmm. With 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 a plan, it's not a random thing where you just should do every single statement. But it's like an idea of how you can get a person to step out of their model or adjust their model or be willing to consider other ways of looking at things that they hadn't previously thought of. So if if someone said, "Oh, you know, women just don't like me," okay, you know, a meta model challenge might be, you know, really all women. (laughs) <laughs> right right even yeah. your mom even yeah. your mom yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's, that's I an it. example <laughs> of got of, it of like got a, it. a way of asking it. but but okay. a, <clears throat> another way would just be to go well is is that really what I, my job is here is to is to just do that or am i looking at what's the real thing driving this obviously they're talking in this particular case because of context i'll know that they're talking about recent women they've tried to date or mm-hmm. something like that. You know, Women they've reached out to for a date. They're not talking about their sister, their mom, their childhood friend that they grew up, who was their neighbor. They're not talking about any of that. So me challenging that's doing nothing.
0: It mm-hmm. does nothing.
3: Yeah. <laughs> yeah All it yeah. does is, is create a moment of, of broken rapport. However, the more I understand the structure of the way they create their model, it could be interesting for... Um, Later on, than asking them to check into well, is there anything that you may have noticed about this woman at work that you keep bringing up about that interaction that could be useful, and then that could be Mm.
4: an interesting
3: exploration for going well. Yeah, I never thought about that. I never thought I could consider that option. Mm. Like maybe Mm. it isn't that they don't like you, but, Mm. but did you ever consider that you know you walk around with your shoulders forward, you got a frown on your face. I'm just telling you, as your coach, that I see a lot of this kind of um, physical stuff. Hmm. And when you talked about surfing, you lit up. It would be hard. It would be hard for me to imagine a woman not wanting to talk with you when you were looking like that. Yeah. And they don't know that, so mm-hmm. now they've got a chance to kind of like uh, shed some light on what's really going on, rather than me focusing on the meta model violation. Mm, right. I mean, I yeah. Can go,
1: oh. Very nice. Yeah. So <laughs> I was going to say you um, uh, discovered a principle we use in occupational therapy. It's a oh. type of clinical reasoning called interactive reasoning, huh? Where where what you do is um, you use the natural um, evidence you gather from interacting with the client, right? So you don't you don't go into it with the intention of I'm digging for information. You go into it like, I'm going to pay attention, and I'm going to have nice, pleasant, wonderful, authentic interactions with this client. Yeah. But I'm going to pay attention. I'm going to remember. And then at some point, it inevitably comes back and begins to help inform your practice. And next thing you know, you realize that this person thinks they can't do anything, but I remember them telling me how much they like to do mm. X, right? And the next thing you know, you you use it for them, you know? and And so... So so it, it involves um, the resistance of wanting to apply your techniques. I'm going to come in and I'm going to do this and that and the other thing with this patient, right? Because my job is to make them better. And instead, I'm just going to be present with them. We're going to, as Raphael would say, hold space. <laughs> and maybe I use that information a week from now. Maybe I use that information two weeks from now. Mm. Maybe 10 minutes from now, you know, but it's interactive reasoning to inform your, your practice. It's pretty cool. It is really cool. Yeah,
3: um, it, I would say that that listening to, um, you know, mentor James Cicalos and and um, more recently listening to some of the lectures of Gabriel Guerrero um, talking about real basic stuff in NLP and contrasting that with, uh, or combining that with with an observation that I made a long time ago, which was um, the very first NLP class I took. Um, there were certain people in there who were just so freaking annoying about it. They were just in your face all the time, and and you couldn't have a conversation with them without them jumping on you. It's what in NLP we sometimes call a, a meta monster. <laughs> you, create, you, you teach them the meta mo- model, and all suddenly they become monsters with it, and just they're at home and they're challenging their wives and their kids, and it's like there's no there's no sense of of um, grasping the inappropriateness of, of flinging or inflicting NLP uh, upon people. It's, but, just, it's not but, how it was meant to be
1: no used. There's no finesse.
4: There's
3: no it's
1: finesse. Yeah. It's, no, a China it's the handy hammer syndrome. It is. like everything, <laughs> Everything's
3: yeah,
4: exactly. a nail.
1: Yeah. Everything's yeah. a nail when you got yeah. that
3: right. hammer in yeah. your hand. So yeah, yeah, yeah it's funny. the same thing. So anyway, those things stimulate my um, introspection about that. And <laughs> uh, That's funny.
2: <laughs> Something that you were saying about like uh, using that information. I, I just uh-huh. love when I do, I've done that with clients too. Yeah. And, and they just like, it's amazing. It's so fun to see their eyes, and they're just their head kind of cocks to the side sometimes. Like, and they kind of short circuit for a moment. And they're like, "Oh, you're right," and it's just so yeah. cool. that like, it, it gives them that 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 hope yeah. or that that positive feeling of like, "Oh, okay, cool." I, I just like using, like what you were saying. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, that's cool. Cool. Yeah. It's kind of like the optometrist that
5: makes that just that little adjustment. That's things. One or two. Yeah. Yes. At one or two. Yeah. A or B.
1: Have you guys ever tried to float a needle on water?
5: No, um, I have not until A long time
1: ago, yeah. yeah. It's fun. I had a feeling yeah. you would have done yeah, this. Because yeah, because of the, the electromagnetic, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. If, you, if you're very careful and you fill a glass of water all the way to the top and you hold a needle, like a sewing needle, if you're so careful, you can set it right on top of the needle and it won't break the barrier and it won't sink. It'll really? float on top of the needle.
3: Electrons, baby. So Magic. it's
1: all—it's all in your delivery, people. Yep. <laughs> it all depends on how subtle you can be and how soft you can be and
5: gentle yeah. approach.
1: That's yeah. right. Even Spooking, with a
5: needle, focused and present. So, what is it that you say when you um, you oh. approach when you're working with somebody with the awareness, as if Tiger you were tail. standing oh. on the edge of a yeah. cliff?
1: Oh yeah, yeah. Yes. So it's it's, this tail, is an old—it's yeah. an old acupuncture thing. So. Yeah. Um, and, and I learned this from my, a wonderful instructor of mine, Dr. Zhao Wang, right? Hello, Dr. Wang. Mm-hmm. Um, he taught us, when you are about to treat a patient, or let's translate that into, you are about to work with another individual in any capacity, Yes. become as aware as though you're standing on the edge of a cliff. And when you touch the person... Be as aware and gentle and deliberate as though you are grabbing the tail of a tiger. And every time I use it, it always puts me in a much better, better state of mind to do something. Even telling you all three this right now completely changed my whole being.
5: Yeah, I could watch you. Yeah, Just yeah your physiology. I'm looking changed. at Carlos yeah.
1: watching me like, like, oh, he's totally changing right now. <laughs> yes, right, you know. <laughs>
5: <laughs> but you do every time I hear you, you talk about that. You, you, your posture changes. Your breathing changes. It, it, everything yes. changes. Everything changes.
1: Everything changes. Yeah, I immediately go into a, a very powerful state that I've practiced for many, many, many years, where I'm having to be on point and be there for people. Talk about holding space, Raphael. I mean yeah, that that very will powerful. that will cause me to hold space. Like that, you know. Um. Do you ever practice this on Seamus? <laughs> um, now I have a new project. Ooh. Seamus Warnock. We're going to do this. Oh, he's going to be, ain't going to work. You know, that's what he'd say. <laughs> but he's a lion, so it on is. Yeah.
5: <laughs> <laughs> it yeah, works for a tiger tail, not a lion's tail. <laughs>
4: right. That's what he'd say. Yeah. Totally.
5: Did Vipassana help you with that?
1: Oh, yes. Absolutely. Um, I was doing a lot of clinical work when I discovered Vipassana. First of all, I was uh, working full-time in occupational therapy. So, I was treating patients every day. And then about 3 days a week I was going to my clinic, you know, um evenings, weekends and I was treating private clients doing acupuncture. So I was working with a lot of people and Vipassana made me so much more aware of my own experience that it really absolutely began to change the experience of the people I was working with.
4: How
1: so? Um, It was way easier to build trust and connection with them. Much, much easier because I was so much more aware of myself. Mm. I even started to notice subtle things like previously, I never realized that when I touched another person's skin, I can actually for a moment feel almost like a, uh, it's hard to explain, uh, I can feel um, a very rapid vibration of an exchange of current between me and them mm-hmm. that I never noticed before until after vipassana and I would touch people, and like now, like lately, I haven't been noticing it. But if I start doing a lot of tai chi, if I start doing meditation again and things like that, I know I have been because I touch somebody and I feel that exchange, and it's like, oh, there it is. It's unmistakable in my fingers, and it is, it is happening. Um, at the level of the skin, yeah. mm. you know, it's, it's unmistakable. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm, I'm pretty like kind of down to earth with those kinds of things. Like, it's not like I walk into the incense is going and I feel your energy. It's not like that. You know, it's, it's like, Oh my God, what was that on my fingers? And, 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 the first several times I noticed it, I'm like, this is like a real thing. This is happening to every single person that I touch. Yeah. You know, like, yeah. like every single person that I touch in this clinic today raphael you you're you're a you're a uh, a body worker you you've done all kinds of amazing work in your life. Do you ever notice anything like that or
2: yeah, I have um I, I feel more the sensation of of heat mm. and um, I've never had uh, electricity or any kind of like like kind of zap or anything feeling like that, but even just speaking about it right now, my hands instantly heat up mm. and they'll turn red. And so it's, 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 there is like an energy behind it. And it's just been the years and years. And as of late, I've been noticing more, like we've been thinking about this, but even before uh, we started talking about this, as the energy just kind of going through me, um, More me, me being more of a conduit than anything mm. for that person that needs to be whatever they need. And I'm not there to dictate what it is I'm doing. But yeah, it's, it's, it's very palpable to the point where like, I just lay hands on somebody's back, and it instantly their body just goes boom, like just relaxes, just shuts off, and it's and it's like wow, and I think it's just all the years of doing this work. Um, you know, I'm instantly easily just find the tr- that spot that needs to be touched, right away. I don't even have to find; I just go like a like yeah. a, like and I my finger just goes right for it. And I joke, it's like, how do you know I, I, I touch these places? And I'm like. There's a little X kind of drawn in your back there or something like that. And they're like, ha. Ah. but it kind of is it's like, for me, it's just, it's not even, I don't see anything. I just feel that spot. Yeah. And like, I mean, uh, I mean, I know you can't really see it, but like my hands will start to get like red instantly. And I, and I think it's just like, it's like a, it's just on.
1: Yeah, sure. Yeah. It could kind of... When, like when you said you put your hands on somebody's back and you've worked on me, yes, right yes. and so you, you can you can tell the hands of somebody who's experienced. Mm-hmm. Yes, there's an immediate difference. I know Carlos, mm-hmm. you're nodding here your, because you know you have those hands too. Yes Carlos yeah, yeah. Hands,
4: yeah.
1: Um, And um, when you put your hands on somebody and you get that immediate kind of response or connection or whatever whatever's whatever. happening, yeah. um, it reminds me of when a professional comes to your house to do some kind of work like an electrician or a plumber. Mm-hmm. and next thing you know, they've shut the water off. <laughs> they they shut off circuit breakers. And you're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. how did you even know where the water thing was to shut it off? But that's what they do. That's, that's why what they, they know. Do. exactly. <laughs> you know? And uh, they develop, well, it's probably over here. They have an instinct for where, where the water main is, you know, and, they, and they're and they right most of the time, right? So it's yeah. just kind of the same thing. You, know, you put your hands on somebody and you're like, well, it's probably going to be really tight here. here. Exactly. Yeah, there it is. Yeah.
2: yeah. And like before, it used to be very mechanical when I first started right? It was just a, like one, two, three, one, two, three, stroke, stroke. And then just letting that go to the point where it's just like, all right, whatever they need. And, uh, yeah. And then, and, that, and then it's turned into even more the talk while I'm doing that the, while I was mm. doing the massage work, the body mm. work and uh, using the, the person's stories and giving them back. And 45 minutes later, it's like, well, and giving them the suggestions. So it's been a lot of fun integrating all of that together. Mm. Um, but it's it's one of my passions. I don't think I'll ever lay, like, ever stop doing some kind of touch work. Mm. Not necessarily body work in that sense, but that touch work.
1: Yeah, yeah, to, yeah. To
2: help people release some of that stuff, whatever is being held in there. Mm. So I think really, like our world right now is just we're so disconnected. Yeah, we are so disconnected. Yeah. Cell phones and it's, I mean I see clients too, and and social media is is, is breaking up marriages it's not, it's not breaking up marriages. It's something that is getting in the way of things that people are using and it's breaking up marriages. So I think it's important to continue doing the touch work and like even the acupuncture or the OT, I think that's a, it's a beautiful thing, you know, cause mm. it's, it's like we're, we're missing that.
3: Yeah. It, it, it sounds silly, but kind of my jokey mind kind of yeah, totally. was picturing somebody on the table with you and then you're working, you, you suddenly move down to their hamstring and they got to get out their phone and take a selfie. You know, Raphael's really digging into my hamstrings right now. I just <laughs> yeah. want to share with all of you right now. Like, right, exactly. Just In- Instagram, you know, put it's like, put fucking phone down just put it down. receive what I'm doing right,
1: right. now. Yeah. Walk
4: away
2: That's from the funny. phone. That's you know? funny.
3: And everybody, yeah. you got to oh, go, look, I got a like on that one. Yeah. yeah. Like, yeah right?
1: That, that cool. reminds me, um, I was listening to uh, an old talk, well... Oh, From Alan Watts, I guess all of his talks are old, right? Yes. Yeah, yeah, uh, pretty (laughs) much. And and he was pointing out that, like, you know, today, when today was his day, back, you know, back in the day, right, that people think that something didn't really happen unless, like, it's a headline in a newspaper. Right. Right. And it's like, well, no, stuff, like, actually happens the newspaper version of it is actually not the real one, right? But we have this we have this tendency to think that our life isn't significant or isn't yeah. really occurring unless it's on TV or it's on the radio or it's in a newspaper or in a book
3: or something. And it's like, well, did the tree ridiculous. fall in the woods if you didn't uh, Instagram it?
2: Yeah, <laughs> right. It's, yeah. It's a good one. Yeah. 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 That's a new one. Yeah, yeah. there you go. Yeah, well,
5: FOMO, fear of missing out. We need to document everything or it didn't happen. Yeah, FOMO. That's right. I like you know? that. Yeah. That's yeah. FOMO. FOMO. Fear of Missing Out. Yeah. And then there's Jomo. What's that? There's the joy of missing out.
1: <laughs> oh, yes. Yes. that's that's yes.
5: good. Jomo's good. Yeah. Jomo's where it's at.
1: Well, you, you, some of you know that, um, what's a year and a half ago or so? I don't know, even know, two years ago, I just gave up on the news. I just <gasps> I, stopped watching yeah. the news. Oh, wow. And it's not Beautiful, like if, isn't it? And it's not like if the news comes on, I don't refuse to look at it. If the news is on, I look at it. I don't seek it. And I'm pretty well informed. Still, yeah. you know, of course, it helps to have Carlos in my life. You know, he informs me of what's going on. <laughs> he filters you know? everything. Exactly. So what he does is he posts amazing stories and I just read those. That's right? exactly what I do know, too. You know, yeah. like, yeah, like yeah. he just posted that scientists split a photon by freezing, freezing it. it. Right. It's yeah. like, see, now I know that. And I didn't, no, you didn't yeah. I didn't watch the news. Yeah. And I know this now.
3: Right. I have a tendency to focus mostly on um, news that I think is, is, related to technology and science science, or psychology or, um, something beautiful that people did to change something in a positive way. Because I figure if 90% of what I post is, um, exemplifying that we have, um, creative options to things and solutions to problems, uh, I'm doing my part to contribute to people's, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, solution-oriented consciousness Mm -hmm. so so when people are in resourceful states they tend to come up with better stuff and and so if if a lot of people are looking at me and i I think that if i look at my facebook posts as any evidence a lot of people are looking at what i post i figure i figure that it's my responsibility to contribute something that's helpful because if i were just complaining about our current president and what he's doing and all that i'm just joining in on the uh, on the experience of of increasing fear dread hatred anxiety yeah. and hopelessness and i don't want to contribute to that this is not about putting my head in the sand or anything like that as you know those of you who know me i do not put my head in the sand at all mm-hmm. but there's a difference between that and overwhelming your psyche to the point where you can't work your way out of it and you and you lose hope and you mm-hmm. lose sleep and you lose any sense of being able to act in the world and you know i I really believe that for every problem, there's at least one solution, if not more.
5: Yeah. It's, it's, yeah, it's offering information that makes people aware of more possibilities. It's an expansion of possibilities instead of a constriction yeah. and restriction. And I think our news is just designed to restrict yeah. possibilities.
3: It is. It's, yeah. It's, yeah. It's, it's a bit of a yeah. bully. Yeah, it's it is. It's a bit of a bully. Yeah. It's, not, mm-hmm. it's not there to inform. Oh no! It's no. there to manipulate. Yes. yes, correct.
2: And put blinders. Like so let's sense, manipulate. Yes. Right. Let's
3: join the crowd. Let's manipulate, but let's mm-hmm. do it in our own way, in the way that that brings people into hope and creativity and enjoyment, uh, rather than manipulating them to feel fear and hopelessness. Yeah. Yeah. And
1: you know, like like our 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 authenticity page on Facebook. Yeah. You know, um, uh, we post those kinds of inspiring informative types of stories. Um, yeah. And, you know, I recently heard Eckhart Tolle say um, that, you know, basically that we see all this bad in the world. There is a lot of good in the world. It's just that the bad is louder. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's really important for us. And like, like what we're doing right now on the show mm-hmm. is to um, try to amplify some of, the, some of the good because it isn't as loud. It's, it's a little more, you know, subtle. But
2: it's
5: gaining volume. Yeah, it's a silent giant,
2: right? Just kind of waiting to to come out and be seen.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um,
2: And it's getting louder. People are coming out of their stories. Yeah.
3: I've said this before. I'll say it again. um, It is kind of a little bit us against them, a little bit in the sense of when I say them, I'm talking about um, from on high, the news stations, the government, et cetera, et cetera. There's a a, a tendency to kind of um, not create unity but to create division and to create um, sides arguing and fighting against sides and maligning each other and and that kind of thing. So Mm -hmm. I think that um, if there were a sinkhole in the neighborhood and somebody drops in, it doesn't matter whether the person... Who's who's next to you is a Trump supporter or a not a Trump supporter? They're probably going to go, oh my gosh, you know, Betsy and Bob, are you okay? And here, uh, let's get some rope. And here, I'm going to help pull you out. We're going to we're going to you just put this around. I'm so sorry. We're getting we got helps on the way. I mean, people who have relationships with one another are going to care about each other's well being. And if we if we remind ourselves that that's what this is really about, is a getting getting. Fellow human beings, to be kind to one another and care and concerned, um, and take it out of the uh, dialogue about you know how dare you voted for that person or didn't vote right. for that person or you know you're the you're against this or you're for that and you know that divisiveness is less important and that's become unfortunately in the in the social dialogue more important. Mm-hmm. I think it's less important, but it's become more important because the spotlights on well who did you support. And are you with this group or are you with that group? And it becomes really difficult. So that, like my message, my personal mission lately over the past few years, has just been reminding people, my mm-hmm. clients and friends, and just, just general conversations is hey, um, especially when when I realize I've got friends on both ends of the political spectrum. Mm-hmm. Here I am, you know, radicalized to the center, as my friend Dean said. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm looking at that and going, guys you're human beings and we're all here trying to survive. Um, If we don't correct that mindset, we're not really going to get out into the stars, at least not as a group. We're not really Mm -hmm. going to protect the earth. We're not really going to be able to come up with all the solutions we need. So just focus on, I know it sounds stupid, but. Be nice to each other. It's, yeah, Be nice. it's getting Be kind. away from competition
5: and promoting and teaching collaboration. You yeah. know, we were raised that it's you know survival of the fittest and that nature um, is, is at its core based on competition when yeah. really it's based on collaboration and yeah. unity and oneness. And we each in our own unique ways spread that message. Yeah. And it's catching on like wildfire.
2: Mm, yeah. yeah, And it doesn't sound stupid. You know, it doesn't to be nice to each other. I think that's just something that that is again perpetuated to make it sound stupid, but it's not. We used you know in the past, it's been that be nice to each other, right? Thank you for that. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. It, it's just like again, it's just it's something that's almost in our unconscious mm-hmm. that's kind of drilled into us. If it's not with the norm, it sounds stupid, or it's not right, or something like that.
3: Yeah, yeah. Well, it's, it's,
2: it's important to be nice.
3: I like to turn ideas uh on their on their heads sometimes, you know. Yeah. Like I like to think of, you know, challenging as as um let's challenge the assumptions, you know, yeah. challenge the 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 assumptions that are causing people to to argue against one another, you know. Mm-hmm. Um rather than let's you know, challenge the other side, you know, to a battle. It's like, no, I mean, that's not really leading to integration or or solutions the way Um, we the way we could you know kindness is a direct challenge to all the hatred out there but it's not when you're being kind that's not really what you're thinking you know it's not really on your mind that you're challenging everything but you are but you are yeah
1: Want to know what is the nicest compliment you can say about yourself? Let's start with Sammy.
4: Oh,
5: wow! That's that that puts you back on your heels Mm -hmm. a bit.
1: And I really want to know. So, and I and I demand an authentic answer.
5: Oh wow! I respond so well to
4: threats.
1: Here, let me turn it's it more up. More of a well, demand than yeah. a threat. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's a demand. What will happen to her if she doesn't? That's a threat. right. That's is my question. She um, <laughs> Right, right. God. Then I'll have to make up my own compliment. Yeah. You don't want that? Yeah.
5: <laughs> you know what's fascinating about this question is that I was like, "Oh, that's a big question" because I have a lot of answers, which is a really cool. I guess maybe that's the the coolest compliment. I I can think of a lot of things about myself that I really appreciate and mm. value. And, and I, I don't feel like that's egotistical or anything. I, I think that's, I think that is the course. I think that is why we're all here on the earth to experience all of the experience, but always moving towards becoming who we really are. And that's love. Mm. And the more you do that, the more you love yourself, the more you can love other people yeah
1: yeah well your answer is a good barometer for how much you do love yourself
5: i do yeah I'm, and I, I was telling myself that today i was like because i've been working a lot on my body and there's been some you know body issue things that i've had and i was just today i was looking at my body going god i just really love this because i'm in it anyway
1: yeah she loves her so. pet
5: Huh? Mm. I love my You're pet. Your pet. I your pet. I love my pet. Mm. I love my pet. And I think that's such a healthy attitude for us to all have. Mm. Am I perfect? No. Am I ever gonna be perfect? No. You know, are there things I would love to change? Yeah. But if they're in my capacity, then I change them. But yeah, I love myself. Mm. Okay. Yeah.
1: That's a, that's good. That's what I was going for. Yeah. Right. Mm. Raphael. What is the nicest compliment you can give about yourself?
2: Mm. The biggest compliment, and it kind of goes in line with what Sammy was just talking about, is a nickname that I picked up at a course that I took is that I am Cupid. Mm. Mm. That I'm love. For me, it, like I kind of going back to the holding space and just being with, um, is accepting that role that I am mm. and to love myself the, the most I can. But yeah, that's like uh, to be compared to Cupid, you know, to, to be fully pure love and true love and all love. Mm. So yeah, that's kind, of, that's kind of what came up for me. That's awesome. I yeah. love it.
1: Wow. Wow. Okay, and you have a cherub's cheeks, too.
2: I do, I so, do. No, you yeah, can see a little bit more of them now. I mean, can't, yeah. it's a radio show. <laughs> and you're dating an archer. Uh, right. so. I'm I an archer. <laughs> so, you can have a bow and arrow like a, and all oh, that stuff. Sagittarius, right? You know, that's right. Uh, you know.
1: Oh, nice. All right.
2: So, Carlos, what is
1: the the nicest compliment that you could give yourself right now? Because mm. I want to know. Acceptance. Mm. Yeah. That's a good one. You accept with reckless abandon. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Deep
3: and total acceptance. All right. That's a good superpower.
1: <laughs> mm-hmm. I love it.
3: <laughs> Lots I love it. of things are possible for me. Yeah. Yeah. That
1: happens. Awesome. Nicely done. So, Patch. okay. I guess I Here's have to practice turn. what I preach, mm-hmm. right? It- um, so I'm going to um, take some inspiration from Raphael's answer. Um, so, you know, I have students, right? I've had many, many, many students over the year, over the years. I learned through the grapevine that, um, uh, a group of students that I had several years ago gave me a nickname that I didn't know about and they nicknamed me the Zen master. Mm. Nice. And, uh, it was cool to hear that right, because um, uh, I had made a decision sometime before that group of students had shown up on campus that um, I needed to bring more of who I really am outside of work to work. And I made a conscious effort to say, you know, I'm going to stop being this image of what I think I'm supposed to be here. That's right. And it's like, th- this place is stuck with me. As the program director, so then what they're going to get is who I really am, right? Mm-hmm, yep. <laughs> and then it was shortly after that. It was you know some you know some 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 months after I made that decision that um, uh, I learned that they were calling me the Zen Master. Nice. And it was like, nice. oh my gosh, wow. And so I, I wasn't thinking of myself that way there. Um, actually, there was a lot of insecurity around it, right? But it reminded me that. Um, uh, I have an ability to have a, a peaceful, inspiring impact in other people. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean. And that it was time to go ahead and just claim that and bring that into what I have to do every day. So um, that we're was really
3: nice. We're that gonna was... get you the T-shirt. Oh, says... really?
5: <laughs> yeah. Zen Master. No, that's oh, it's good. on now.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Oh boy. Yeah. So it's great. that's great. That's perfect, that. man. I, I okay. could totally see why they gave you that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. that Thanks. fits. Thanks. Yeah. yeah, and I remember. The discussion of you talking about bringing yourself to work. You do. You remember yeah, that. I remember that conversation. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I
1: would have probably told you like on yeah. a run or something. It was on a run. Yeah. Probably. By the riverbed. There we go. In Irvine. In Irvine. You remember. Yeah. Yep, that's it. <laughs> awesome.
3: Cool. <laughs> that's beautiful, man. There we go. Yeah. Well, cool. Well, this has been awesome and, and, and a wonderful, uh, just kind of spontaneous Conversation. Mm -hmm. I love how we just rolled with it. We just kind of—I knew we could do it. All these brilliant minds together, Um, caring people in one room. It's Mm -hmm. always good things can happen from that. Mm -hmm.
2: Most definitely.
5: (laughs) Yeah, we did it again. We did it. Well, I want to say thank you for the just the the privilege of being here a second time, and. Mm for being your friend yeah we guys... know each other
3: so much more than we did
1: the first time you came on the show
5: <laughs> you know? Know. well yeah, yeah I had just met you that first time um,
2: and Raphael nice to have you on the mic thank you so much No, I appreciate yeah. the opportunity yeah most yeah. definitely I know we talked about it a little bit a while back but and this is the way it kind of showed up
3: and I was thinking about it um, we'll all be friends forever so it's just going to be interesting to have um, <clears throat> an archive of, of conversations that that uh, can be referred back to and in yeah Future times, right. so it's, it's nice that we have we have this. Yeah, are yeah, in our 90s, it is.
5: right? You know, and we look back and we're like, oh my god, I was that way. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I said that. Well, back what?
1: before you were enlightened. That's right. That's <laughs> right.
3: <laughs> way back in the day.
5: <laughs> Which self was talking, Sammy? <laughs>
0: You've been listening to The Authenticity Show with your hosts, Carlos Casados and Satch Purcell. Very special thanks to our friends and guests, Sammy Tucker and Rafael Lopez. My name is Oliver Alteen. I record, edit, and produce the show. And I also wrote our theme song, which you're listening to right now. If you're interested, the name of this song is Wedding Bells for the Dead. And you can find it on an album of mine called Obsidian Kite. Please subscribe to The Authenticity Show wherever you get your podcasts and find us on social media. We would love to connect with you there. You can find our website at authenticityshow.com. Thanks for listening and have an authentic day.